It's 8 p.m. somewhere. On this episode, we talk with Lynn Furge, the chief marketing officer to the awesome CBD beverage brand Daytrip. Pay attention as we discuss the wonderful yet complex world of CBDs. Marketing CBD to consumers is a challenge that has come up a lot in the past two to three years. You're at the forefront of that, and we want to hear your opinion on where, um, sort of where the market's at and where the world is at in terms of accepting CBD as a medicine or as a recreational um, vitamin, I guess, or wh- where do you think everything is at at this point? So I think that there's tremendous consumer demand for it because people are taking CBD and they're feeling great. They're feeling something And so they want to know more about it. They want to know if there's different ways they can consume it, if there's different doses, if there's different mechanisms to deliver CBD into their body, be it a tincture or a cream or a beverage, et cetera. Um, And I think that the FDA just hasn't figured out how they can quantify it, qualify it, and regulate it. And so, you know, you see this dichotomy between consumer demand and, you know, what specifically is this? Is it a vitamin? Is it a supplement? Is it an ingredient? And we know it comes from a plant. We know that there is no THC involved. And we know that it's thus far benefits are helping inflammation and helping calm people down. Um, And it really is how it's extracted and infused back into the product. So, Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's one of those things that everyone says it's the wild, wild west. And it really is this industry that is booming, yet tiny, and really, really a challenge in the marketing and the business space. Because there is no real way to make proper claims for a consumer yet. Right. Do you know what parallels there are between CBD and caffeine? I always kind of think of CBD very similarly to caffeine because um, caffeine, same thing. People have been arguing for centuries about is caffeine a drug? Is it a medicine? Can you have too much of it? Can Is it safe to drink every day? I think the consensus 50 years ago was that caffeine was sort of dangerous. We're starting to learn caffeine has a lot of health benefits. Um, very similar, right? Oh yeah, definitely similar. And, and just like I said, delivery mechanisms, right? Or how it how it's produced, what's it, what is it produced in? You know, you have caffeine in coffee, but then you also have caffeine in green tea, but then you also have synthetic caffeine, and then you have Guiana, and then you have, you know, so I and think what are you're you starting with to it? see sugar, those sorts of... Sugar or right. what other chemicals are you drinking or, or mixing with your caffeine? Same thing goes for CBD, right? And how does your body process it? You know, I mean, energy in the body is important. And so, you know, it helps us, like we need to both produce and refresh and deplete and go through that energy cycle again in the body, both so that you can function during the day, but then also so you can have a restful sleep. So then it's the same thing as like, is it like melatonin? You know, I mean, it's, there are so many different ingredients we can compare it to. And I think, you know, half, one half of the CBD world thinks it's going to be declared a supplement. The other half thinks it's going to be declared an ingredient. And, you know, it's a really interesting place. I know for us at Day Trip, we really pride ourselves on being experts in the food and beverage industry. And so even when we, before we even launched 
the product, what we were doing was really self-regulating, like going through the standards of what a normal beverage company would have to go through in terms of testing and certificates of authenticity and third-party, you know, panel checks on the ingredients that we put in and, you know, proper, um, you know, production facilities that label, like we can't say that, you know, it's organic because hemp isn't labeled an organic product yet, but we can say natural because all of our flavors are natural and all, you know, they are honestly fruit um, and hemp is natural. You have a double layer of scrutiny, yeah. basically the food level and then the, the supplemental vitamin medicine level of uh, government right. scrutiny. Yeah. That's, that's gotta be extremely yeah. challenging. So correct me if I'm wrong. And we also don't know who's going to decide where or when. So right. we're, we literally are like, all right, let's be as buttoned up and as transparent as possible so that no matter which way the FDA goes, we still can stand by, you, you know, ready. a product that, yeah. Yeah. You want to be well positioned. So your competitor's not in a, in a more advantageous position to just dominate once the FDA gives the green light or loosens up a little bit. Totally get it. Totally. So your body makes cannabinoids, right? Cannabinoids? Your body has an endocannabinoid system, okay. which is basically a system that helps regulate how your same thing with like neurotransmitters. It helps regulate the balance in your body, how you relate to stress, how you relate to this fight or flight, how you relate to inflammation. And so your endocannabinoid system can be affected by anything from, you know, like eating something that makes you a little bit inflamed or being overtired or working out too hard and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and that is inherent and natural in literally every single person's body. And so if you have a product that has cannabinoids in it, it helps internally balance your endocannabinoid system. So, so that is, is what very CBD similar does. to melatonin. Same con same um, mechanism of effectiveness, right? Your body makes melatonin, I think. <laughs> um, so when you're taking melatonin as a supplement, you are sort of helping your body out if it's lacking uh, the sleep chemicals that it needs to exactly exactly except not necessarily cbd isn't necessarily for sleep but in terms of something that is internal like serotonin melatonin you know all of those things yep. collagen you know are in your body currently and if your body is off balance or lacking some of that adding a natural ingredient that helps regulate it yep. is putting you back into bodily balance internal balance and this is helping with your energy levels, it's helping with recovery after exercise or doing anything bad to your body. Uh, it's just helping your body overall support itself. Yeah, 100 percent. You know, awesome. I mean, and it's going to affect people in different ways, because if you're a person that is like very, you know, um, hyper always on, you know, ADD, checking your phone all the time, a thousand emails like go, 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 go. It might calm you down because you need that balance. If you're a person that goes hard, you know, in the gym or skiing or surfing or running around and you need something to help the inflammation of your joints, like this could be that for you, um, provided that it's the endocannabinoid system portion of your body that needs a little bit of the balance, yep. you know, I mean, and these are all things that we're looking into. These are all things that, you know, we heavily believe that this is a natural product that is honestly good for the human body. Um, but like I said, each person is going to have a different benefit and or reward from it. 
what makes day trip uh unique in the industry so you know what are you all doing to sort of stand apart from some of the because you and i've had this conversation before off the podcast but some of the illegitimate competition and just these these i guess you'd call it like fly-by-night companies that are popping up left and right trying to just jump on the trend rather than create a real sustainable good quality product which day trip is uh what are you guys doing to 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 not be that and to differentiate the brand so I think there are two things. The first thing is in terms of, you know, our process and how we create the product. We have um, water soluble. So that's important because, you know, people love CBD. People are using a lot of CBD oil, CBD oil tinctures in their body. And that takes until you get to the stomach and the intestines to break down um, into the body and absorb it. And so you're losing a lot of the bioavailability and, the, the benefits of that product to wait all the way through the digestive tract. And so ours starts to act, basically it's fast acting. It starts to react with your body once you take sips and it goes into the mucous membranes of your mouth. So you're going to get something that's more fast acting, water soluble, but not a lot of oil, not hard on your digestive system or liver. So I think that's one differential, you know, so we kind of believe in less is more, you know, we don't have a zillion milligrams. We've got 10 milligrams in our sparkling water, but it is tiny molecules that are the size of human cells. So it absorbs easier, faster, better, and cleaner in the body. So I think that's one big thing. And so that's a big part of our messaging and education to people because you will walk into, you know, little convenience stores and places where it'll be like a billion milligrams of CBD. And I don't think the consumer knows the difference or why, or is it stable? You know, how long is it self-stable? Does it wear out by the time they pop that Rice Krispie treat or gummy in their mouth? Like, is it honestly still even have CBD in it? So I think that that's important, number one. But then number two is, aside from less is more, we really do believe that like happier is healthier. And this is something that is supposed to complement your life and help you stay in balance. And we don't love the messaging of like, your days are hard. You're full of anxiety. Take this and you'll feel better. Like take this and your life won't suck. Gray days. We're here for you. Stressed out. Here we are. Like we don't believe amplifying um, someone's struggles is the way to go about marketing a refreshing product because we honestly believe that, you know, every day is a new day and a fresh start and happier is healthier. And so we really buy into this idea of an active, healthy, happy, you know, share the love. This is not a drink that you need to like hide the can and go sit in, in, you know, a dark corner thinking about how you can meditate and realize the calmness of your life. This is something that you can really honestly, like literally crack open a can, go on a road trip with your friends and just chillax. You know, that's the point of this. It's supposed to be a refreshment. It's supposed to be a balance. It's supposed to make you feel good. Yeah. It's interesting that you brought up the, the dosage because I've been going through this internal battle with myself and the inner and Google <laughs> trying to figure out uh, something that I was short on on my blood work was uh, vitamin B12. And I realized that the dosage that you can buy B12 at at the average store, like Whole Foods or a vitamin shop is way higher than your body can possibly absorb. Um, and it's actually really, really, really hard to find a B12 or a vitamin D or some of the more common vitamins in the proper dosage that um, your body can actually, you know, the right amount that your body can absorb without 
giving you so much of it that you're just going to end up getting rid of it when you have to go to the bathroom. Right. No, I know. I mean, that happens with supplements all the time. It yeah. really does. I, you know, used to take hair, skin and nail vitamins because I'm a girl and I want pretty hair, skin and nail. Yeah. And, you know, I would definitely notice that my body didn't absorb a third of it, probably even more than that. And that like, when you go to the bathroom, it's entirely different color. It's a different, you know, it's like, yeah. it's, it's mostly the vitamin. Um, you so, know, yeah, B12, you're supposed to take one to 25 micrograms per day. And the average that I see in the store is 2000 micrograms in one little chewable tablet or a spray. Right. That's no, crazy. I know. And I think that part of that, you know, that's where we want to further our discovery is like bioavailability and what does the body need? And, you know, the more that this industry grows, the more we're really going to learn about that. You know, I mean, right. it's also, it will affect people differently too. Just like you said, caffeine is going to affect people differently. Some people I know like myself can have a shot of espresso before I go to bed and not feel anything. And other people can't have a green tea in the morning or they're like shaking, you know? Right. It's funny. I'm drinking a uh, high brew espresso coffee right now. And it's my third <laughs> coffee beverage of the day. Uh, one of our uh, people here, Krista had one like last week and she was, visibly shaking from it <laughs> and she and that was the only coffee that she had for the day so yeah you're absolutely right people obviously uh handle supplements and different i guess caffeine is a drug right but ingredients yeah different ingredients differently um let's talk a little bit more about the research in the cbd industry because from my understanding that's a big challenge is the federal regulation and it actually is preventing companies from properly researching uh, any further than the industry already has, uh, basically with the bioavailability, how our body absorbs CBD, how much of it we actually need, if it can be harmful and really, really high doses. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So, you know, I think it starts with the growers in the lab and we use, you know, American only hemp. We're not ordering it in bulk from some other country. Um, which is where sometimes you can find like really cheap CBD and you're like, okay, where'd that come from? How, you know, how long has it been in transit across a freighter from another right. country, things like that. Right. Um, and then, you know, like I said, our extraction process is a little bit unique. Um, and, you know, our lab does panels on the actual CBD. So I think it's really important in terms of, you know, them holding themselves to the standards of testing and us partnering with the right people because, you know, obviously we've been researching and, and figuring out the best way to do, like we said, a bioavailability test and really show, you know, the effects of a CBD beverage on the body. It's going to vary per brand because if the molecule size is different, that's going to affect how it absorbs into the body if the amount of milligrams is different, it's going to affect, again, how the body absorbs it. And then each person, like we said, is different. So it's like figuring out, you know, in a test group, what what the best thing to test for even is. Um, and without the FDA saying, okay, we're declaring it a supplement or we're declaring it an ingredient and this is the important parts of it, you know, we're just honestly, it almost makes us more diligent where we literally have to look at everything in all honesty, because we have to be prepared, like you said. 
So drawing back to caffeine on a really simple, basic level, this is the difference between a caffeine concentrate pill versus a cup of coffee. Yeah, probably. Yeah, or like one of those five-hour energy strips or things like that that's literally a blast of caffeine versus, you know, other things within. And, you know, obviously water becomes a big play into it too, right? right? Your body is 90% water. And so it's going to react very well to something that hydrates it versus just a pill. Any other plans with the day trip brand breaking off into um, gummies, chocolates, kombucha, any other types of products or are we sticking with beverages? You know, we're looking at all sorts of different products, gummies, um, you know, healthy snacks, other beverages. And I think what we really truly believe is that products can be natural. Products can have zero, if not very low sugar. Um, That's one thing that we're not seeing a ton of in the CBD category because CBD tends to have this earthy aftertaste. And so because of that, a lot of stevia or agave or honey or sugar or juice has to be pumped into the products to make the taste more palatable. So it's just mass consumer friendly instead of like die hard health, I eat kale salad every day healthy. Um, And so, you know, like there are certain things that in the name of good health, we all like palate, right? We all try and or do, but it's not, we don't love them necessarily. And we want to make a product that people love, but it's still good for you. And so, you know, we hear time and time again, like, man, if gummies didn't have all that sugar, we would love them. Or, you know, is there a way to do something that has more flavor again without a ton of sugar and without a ton of chemicals. Um, so we're always looking for that alternative. That will be our like brand pillar that we believe in. And then we explore whatever else people might want within that pillar. Yeah. You know, is it a popsicle? We don't know. You yeah, know, that's super important. I mean, there's so many issues right now and luckily consumers are becoming very hyper aware of all the crap that's going into their food. Um, sometimes it makes, it gives me anxiety going to the grocery store. And at this point, I probably, I really do what they say, which is shop around the store. And I try not to go down the aisles because there are so few honest product companies that don't cater to just the flavor and dump whatever they have to, to make their product taste good, uh, versus keep it healthy and natural and organic and something that humans are supposed to eat. Right. No, totally. I mean, there's a reason why if you travel internationally, sometimes the same thing that you would eat here, whether it be pizza or a loaf of bread or cheese or things like that, you don't feel as bad after you eat it when you eat it here. Um, And I think that it's, like I said, that's why it's almost important. We kind of have this really cool experiment right now where, you know, because it's not FDA regulated yet, we truly have to diversify ourselves in the marketplace and stand for something that we as a brand really believe in. And so we started out believing in, you know, very low calorie, very healthy, no additives, no added sugars, all of these things as a brand. Um, And so that's what we stand by. And you get this pure level of product. And so regardless of how the FDA decides it's going to shake out, we've already held ourselves to a very, very high standard. You know, we're not cheating on the like, oh, we'll just throw a ton of, 
you know, like sugar, stevia, <laughs> let's say. And, yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, exactly. So I want to bring Alex in on the conversation here. Um, you know, as an agency, we have been really creatively flexing our brains to try to learn new ways to market um, CBD. CBD. And I want to hear from Alex where he's at with that and also from you, Lynn, uh, because I think there are two really important things going on in your industry. One, you have to be everywhere at once and prepared for the next federal regulation rule uh, ruling, whatever it might be. And then two, you have to be building an audience and a brand concurrently uh, while trying to be prepared for whatever next move that you need to make. Um, so Alex and Lynn, where are you at with the, um, the current state of the brand and what types of creative things are we going to be doing in the future to get more consumers aware of all of the things we talked about? Because you can't put this podcast on the back of a can. You can't explain to consumers that they're drinking something <laughs> that's good for them in, in more ways than just consuming the CBD, which will help uh, contribute to their overall health regulating itself and their body, you know, help their body regulate itself, but also not poisoning them with sugar or uh, chemical products or flavorings and things that aren't good for them. So how do we tell consumers that? Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously I wanted to talk about, you know, some of the, the hurdles facing, you know, most CBD brands, uh, which we are facing right now. Um, and we basically try to focus, um, you know, in all areas that we can think of uh, when it when it comes to uh, getting the brand out in front of new people um, and and obviously retargeting as well uh, your current audience. But, you know, the the major hurdles are the limitations by the ad platforms um, that we face um, and we're facing those issues right now. So. Uh, we look in in all different directions. Um, so we have some elements where we're uh, marketing on platforms where they they allow um, the mentions of CBD, um, and then there's you know other obvious changes that we can do uh, to the brand, to the product, to the branding itself um, to to match these platforms um, and be able to 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 market on them. Um, but you know what are the what are some of the, the biggest challenges, um, Lynn, that you've faced? In and just to jump in here too, as far as the platforms that we're limited to market on, you know, we have kind of learned of some, some things that other brands are doing, uh, but not without consequence, right? So one of the most common plays that a CBD brand uses is to call their product hemp. Problem with that is you're not really delivering an honest message to consumers if your product is an isolate of CBD versus a broad spectrum hemp beverage. Uh, so you're sort of, you are catering to the ad platform while sacrificing your messaging to your consumer. So I, I really kind of wanted to go in that direction with this uh, because that's really important to me. And how does a brand like Daytrip decide if they should or should not do that? Well, I think that you know, we want to explain the benefits of what we have created. And, you know, we are a CBD company. It is hemp CBD because that is what 
it is categorized at right now as an industry. So calling it hemp or CBD, is that is that even, am I a little bit off base? Is that not um, completely, that's not incorrect? No, I think you would call it hemp CBD and then it's just CBD for short. Uh, some brands are choosing to only say hemp infused and a lot of it comes in all honesty from the retailer or like you said, the, um, the platform, the platform yep. limitation, the ad platforms, both, you know, and I think, I don't know which came first, the chicken or the egg. Did the retailers say one thing and the ad platforms adopted it or was it vice versa? Because one minute you have a farm bill and you have everybody being like, we CBD. And then the next minute it's like, Oh, we're going to call it a thousand different things. And we're going to confuse everybody, mainly the consumer. It's really right? odd. It's like, if you so could say, I, think, I mean, I hate to keep going back to this, but it's the way that I wrap my head around your very complicated industry. It's like if federal regulations allowed uh, coffee retailers to say coffee, but not caffeine, they could say, do you want a cup of coffee? But they couldn't say, would you like some isolate?" caffeine uh it's weird it doesn't make sense right. it's the same thing right no definitely um unless it's decaffeinated which <laughs> you have to say but i think you know for us it's it's so much more so cbd is out there right everybody knows about cbd you walk up and down the street that's like cbd sold here cbd for your pets cbd is in articles across everything from, you know, men's health and shape to, um, you know, Birdie Beauty and Refinery29 and Pop Sugar, like every single modern, um, you know, you see celebrities using it. Kim Kardashian's baby shower had, she had a CBD baby shower, you know. So it is not a moniker that consumers don't know. I think they just need to learn how to understand it. Yeah. And while also navigating the, the federal, whatever the government or the ad platform wants us to say. So that's really hard. Your, our job and your, everybody's job here on this conversation is to deliver a message to consumers that's accurate while also <laughs> being told what we can and can't say uh, by ad platforms, government regulations, and retail. Right. And then you have thousands of brands that are out there that are indeed CBD brands, hemp CBD brands. And then we still have to deliver a message that's about our brand, right. you know, and that is where my focus always lies because, you know, you don't want to, we always say swim where, you know, the fish are, and we don't want to be on a platform that's not allowing it and do tricky fixes to try to get around who we are and what right. we are. Um, that's, that's not what we do. And sure, that might garner more eyes on the product, but is it people that are going to become brand advocates and loyalists to us? Or is it just, you know, buying into the way that an algorithm of a digital, right. you know, media platform works? It's not even buying into a trend. Literally, it's not. It's about buying into an algorithm of a digital platform. And that doesn't feel very consumer to me in all honesty that feels super robotic like the robots are coming to take our lives it doesn't feel like there's a person that's thirsty and needs to you know know what they want to buy or needs to be intrigued by something new and what it'll do for them and i really come from the place of the person versus the place of the machine and i always have and i think that you know i'm like fine then if we can't place something on this digital platform 
Let's think of a cooler way to get the word out. Let's think of, you know, a better conversation to have something, you know, even something as simple as this. My philosophy has always been to stay true to the brand first and then everything else will fall into place. Uh, There's one, you know, by staying true to what day trip is as a brand, there's one major advantage, regardless of where the dust settles with the regulations and with the ad platforms, um, when that happens and when the change comes that we all are expecting, 99.999% of CBD brands are all going to be doing the same exact thing while day trip and a select few other CBD brands will be standing alone because they stayed true to their brand and they have real loyal, actual customers that see them as something different than the other 99.999%. So that's, I'm with you a hundred percent. I think that's the, the only thing to do. Um, and it's just a matter of kind of waiting to see what's really going to happen in the next, I think the next year in this industry will be really exciting. Um, without getting super political, I am curious to hear your opinion on where, uh, which types of directions you think this industry could go in, depending on, uh, what types of candidates could be elected in, uh, what are we at? Nine, 10 months, 10 months. (laughs) That's scary. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The good election. I know. Um, I think that. So first of all, for the cannabis industry in general and, you know, the CBD portion of it, the hemp portion of it, it really does bring opportunity, you know, for American jobs and for farmers and for science and for, you know, things that people value in this country and a lot of things that this country has been founded on. So I do believe that the people that support that growth in the country are going to be the people that see, you know, this moving forward, see regulations or see, um, you know, I don't want to say legalizations because it is legal. The farm bill made it legal. It's more just about like where and how it can be sold. Well, and also um, not rolling so those I do regulations feel like that, back, right? Because you have, there are certain characters uh, making decisions right now, like Jeff Sessions, for example, that want to roll a lot of this stuff back and they feel that it moved too quickly. Um, so that is, you know, it's probably much harder for regulators to do that, but it's definitely something that could happen depending on what happens in November. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the, that's both the like fear and excitement (laughs) of, you know, our political process, right. Is everything could change every two or four years, you know? And so that is America. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's funny because From my end, I really, I try to take away that, um, not that I don't listen to it, but I'm not on every single like cannabis blog and cannabis bill and all of that as a person who works within the industry. I am definitely more of a person that's like, I'm going to walk around the streets in my neighborhood and see how people are reacting to the more than, you know, 11 Hemp and standard dose and come back daily and CBD shops and CBD here in your coffee shop and all of that. Um, watch the consumers react to it. Watch their demand. Watch their desire. Listen to their conversation. Yeah, you're blocking out um, all that the artificial noise. That for me is like stronger. Yeah, and focusing on what's important instead of all this noise of, of what could happen. Totally. And then that's usually my marketing <laughs> plan, right? Yeah. Is like get rid of the clutter. And, you know, let's block out all the noise. Let's not sit there and like drive forward with a specific trend because 
we need to hop on the bandwagon. Let's be who we are um, and move forward with that. And I think a lot of that is honestly based on watching people interact. Like well before anybody was doing CBD beverages, people were doing CBD tinctures and coffees. People were doing, you know, CBD cocktails and mocktails at these like beautiful exclusive mixology bars and private membership clubs. And they'd have like a CBD night. And what does it mean? And to watch the curiosity on um, the consumers' faces at these events, and I'm talking like three, four years ago, um, probably three, but you really, you know, you started to see there's definitely something there. And when there is something there, regardless of what it is as a product, you know that at the end of the day, the, the powers that be, the business side, will figure out what they need to figure out. But at the end of the day, the consumers will, will speak for themselves. I completely agree with you. I am curious, you brought up uh, making decisions to essentially cater to an algorithm. Some a really, really, really interesting conversation we've had around the office lately, and I'm extremely curious of your opinion on this, uh, is a conversation around data. I personally feel that data is being relied on way too heavily and are in the marketing industry. I think there are too many brands making the same data, uh, (laughs) data driven decisions from the same sets of data. So if you have 30 brands looking at the same piece of data and they're all making data, data driven decisions, I don't know why I can't say that. um, Then they're all, essentially doing the same thing. And a brand's goal is to do something different and to stand apart and to find a unique corner of their market. Uh, I feel like we're in a place where brands don't even realize what's what's happening, but where um, a lot of the big, big, big players in just like CPG type beverages and uh, any type of consumer packaged goods, they're, they're making these data-driven decisions that aren't ultimately going to earned them loyal, a loyal customer base. Oh, a thousand percent. I mean, you can't say it because it's it's not a good way to do business. And so it's not a fun thing to say. That's yeah. really, that's really what it is. I mean, first of all, if you want data, figure out a way to get data from your actual consumers yep. in an authentic way by yourself, instead of buying a data pack from a yep. service. So that's number yep. one, in, regardless of what you make. Number two, I mean, it's, sometimes it's honestly as simple as like going to an event and physically asking people, which I know sounds scary because it's much more fun to look at a graph and a chart silently in your own cubicle. But at the end of the day, you know, speaking to people really opens your eyes as a marketing professional and a business professional. Well, just in general. not ignoring common um, sense too. Don't I, put data over common sense, right? Well, that yes, of course. I mean, that should be. So that should be the biggest thing that they teach people when they're getting their MBA. And I've gone and lectured at, you know, some of the best universities here in the country to talk about, you know, marketing in an entrepreneurial age and a startup age, you know, all of these different things. And, you know, at some points I just wish that I could teach a course on like, don't ignore common sense, really. Um, And a lot of that comes from me being a journalism major and, my job was to find the unique story in everything. And that takes a lot of common sense before you can start fishing for what you need, right? Nobody hands me 
a set, like as I was schooled, as I was educated, nobody handed me a set of data and was like, okay, where's your story within that? No, it's like a little conversation you heard or a quote from somebody or someone says, hey, I was here and I heard this from this guy. You might want to talk to him and find out more, right? And that ends up, that's where innovation lies. That's where forward motion lies. That's where the truth lies. You know, and we see that time and time again. And you've got a lot of people that like to like follow because it feels safe and it can be backed by numbers and it's less risky. And especially if it's something that involves shareholders, they can point exactly to the decimal of why they made that decision and where and why it felt right. But that's not necessarily going to move the needle and it's not necessarily going to like cause joy or excitement or newness, which is why you see, like you said, if everybody's looking at the same data set, then you have 30 brands that are saying the same exact right, thing, right. you know, or one brand, like I've worked for brands before that were making distinctly different products and lovely products. And they would say on their packaging for everybody, like for all types. And you're like, no, it's like you purposefully went through R and D to make things that work right. for all types. So don't put for all types on your packaging, like that sort of stuff. People want to feel like there's research done to and you know amazing science done to back something that feels like it's bespoke right. for them. That's where you're going to get loyalty in a consumer, you know. And so, I think for me, at least in terms of marketing careers, it's the most exciting when you can work with a brand and take a brand that has something unique to say or has a unique process or unique technology or, you know, just a unique stand and really make them shine based on authenticity, you know, instead of based on like, wow, this is, this is trending. This sounds cool. This is what we should do. Let's make an X because everybody else right. wants one. And that's what's happening with Facebook. And you're starting to see that happen in Totally. And you're starting to see that happen with CBD too. It's like, you know, there were a couple of great brands. Now there's a lot of brands. Now there's going to be a lot, a lot of brands and even more brands. And the more regulations open up there, it will be, you know, a flow of all these different companies. But what are they based right. on? Exactly. You know? That's why my theory of staying true to brand and following common sense, of course, not ignoring data, but using data for what it is and also using common sense and trying to think of other creative ways to position the brand that aren't uh, the same that everybody else is doing. I think the Facebook CBD example is so black and white. Um, these brands that are all jumping on the, let's call it hemp thing so we can run ads. That is not staying true to the brand. That is going to create a position where when Facebook finally says, oh, call it CBD, call it hemp, we don't care anymore. They're going to be in a pool of 99.9% .9 of doing the same crap. Uh, and then brands like Daytrip are going to be in a totally different category with loyal customers and a different marketing message and just a different brand overall that, that for making the sacrifice of not needing to do Facebook ads when it was the cool thing to do. Right. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I think that Facebook dictates right now for the masses. It's like the more, the, the more mass population, the more that they, reap their rewards, right? So they're not looking at initial strategies. They're looking at that themselves as a business. And that's what we have to remember about every platform. And I have mad respect for all of them. But it's like, as a brand, there is not a single platform that's going to save you, grow you, launch you, make you famous, right? right. right? It is, 
they are a tool to be able to get your save you, launch you, grow you, make you famous message out there. And so if that tool isn't right for you based on whatever regulations they have or whatever audience they have or whatever it is, then don't use that tool. Like don't go there just because that's where everybody is or that's what you think. Use another tool. We've got a lot of tools in our toolbox. And I think that's, again, as, as a business person, using common sense. And if you just look back at brands that household name brands that have survived 50 plus years, uh, Apple, Coca-Cola, um, you know, they never did things the way that everybody else was doing things. They were anything but normal. They were always different. And they always, most household name brands that we know today that were also around in 1975 always stayed true to brand first. And they always seemed, there were, I, I think there was a point in time where you, everybody pointed the finger at Apple and said they were doing things wrong when they actually were onto the right thing. It just took longer for it to pay off. Oh, totally. And I think a lot of that is because they trust their guts and they produce what they believe is forward thinking momentum. Yep. And if you look at the other, if you look at, look at their competitors, they, th that is basically the same thing I'm trying to say with day trip. If you look at Apple's competitors, I don't know about you, but I think most people lump them all into this pool of the same crap. And then there's Apple, which has really done a good job at completely standing apart. Of course, when it comes to phones, like I think maybe half of the country loves Samsung and half loves Apple, whatever. But when it comes to computers, I think Apple's the clear dominating winner in terms of making a really, really good product and staying true to brand. I think of Sony, Lenovo, all those other guys as just kind of like all they did the same thing for the last 30 years and they make a decent computer, but they don't stand apart. Right. Well, I think that a lot of it is, is how Apple creates um, anticipation on their launches. I think, you know, they, they build and they, they continue to pivot. They, they will launch something and know that they're going to build in the process of building the next thing to make it better. It's like, get it out there and learn, get it out there and learn. And that is a very startup mentality, even for a brand that's been there a long time. And, you know, one of my favorite analogies is the iPod, actually, which, you know, they've gotten it out there and learned and evolved from there. And who knows what your phone would be like if the iPod wasn't even launched, you know? And if you told a focus group of people, or if you looked at data, if you just took a data set by like one of those yep. paid this conglomerates that build data for you, right? <laughs> and they said, yeah. yep, hey, we're going to take away all of your album covers, all of your, at this point, CDs. Yep you know, and put them all in one little thing. And this is what it looks like. And you hold the reaction it, would be you're crazy. Um, and it's going to have headphones. Yeah, you're crazy. Yeah. Everyone would say, I do yeah. not want it. I do yeah. not want it. I do not want it. And no one would want it. And then that company would feel like launching. It would be a massive risk and they wouldn't make it. And we would still be talking on plug in big wall street, Motorola phones. Yep. You know what I mean? Like that is, it, it, there's a necessary evolution to everything. And then there's also a necessary like de-evolution of things. Like look at how big vinyl is coming back and people are loving record players again. And there's a moment for everything, but there needs to be that trust in the gut of who your company is and what you stand for and not, you know, asking everybody like, do you think this is going to be okay? Do you think this is going to be okay? You know, I always like to say ask forgiveness and not permission, but you know, 
that might get me into <laughs> trouble sometimes, but it's true that my very first internship that it, it was at Disney and that is what they told me. They were like, just add, I was shooting, you know, I was doing video and they're like, don't ask for a permit for this thing. Just climb that, climb the tree and say, you're sorry after you climbed the tree and got me the video footage. And I was like, yeah, good luck. <laughs> it's funny. The music, some of the music companies, um, the music labels were not on board with what Apple was doing with the iPod. Uh, they definitely thought it was going to fail. And turns out, fast forward to 2020, Apple saved many of the big record labels, including Warner Music Group, which I think is the one that just filed for their IPO. Again, they were, I think, so Warner was a public company and then they went private and then they almost went under. Um, and I believe they just filed for their IPO last week. So I know that the music industry totally changed their view on music streaming and the future of digital audio uh, from where it was in like 1997 when they all pointed at Apple and called them stupid. Well, right. I mean, but then you can also be like, look at Napster, you know, what happened to that? And so you always have to pay mad respect to the people that are the tinkerers and the ones that just want to get something out there. Um, But what it does prove is you got to get it out there, but you also have to stay through but true to the like umbrella of the brand. So like, yeah, Apple made the iPod, but Apple was also Apple. And so they're like, okay, what can we create that stands, you know, tall up to the Apple legacy that is new and future and forward thinking. So it's that marriage of innovation and future forward thinking and R and D plus, you know, brand, brand promise, brand pillars, you know, brand identity. Um, those two things really need to walk step by step together. Yep. Completely agree with you. Thanks for listening to It's 8 O'Clock Somewhere. You can follow Day Trip across social media channels at We Are Day Trip. Thanks for paying attention. 